This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It is, and welcome to it once again here for this Thursday, January the 4th. Uh, Sweden is through to the final of the World Junior Hockey Championships, beating Czechia. Interesting. Axel Pelikas or Sandine uh, saying that they were targeting uh, Michael Hrabel's glove side. By the way, Axel Sandine Pelika. The Detroit Red Wings have themselves a really, really good one there. More on him coming up a little bit later on. You know, we always talk about what this tournament means, and in some ways it's sort of a coming-out party for a lot of prospects. Maybe you first got introduced to them at the draft the year before. This is a tournament for 19-year-olds, so generally you start paying more attention to them the following season. Detroit's got another really good Swedish defenseman coming in, Axel Sandin-Palika. Scored the overtime winner against Switzerland and then was pivotal and crucial uh, in today's matchup against uh, Czechia. So uh, the Swedes are through. Uh, The other semifinal game will be the United States facing off against Finland, uh, as we were joking about with uh, Greg Wyshynski yesterday. U.S. is just wrecking the field, and we don't expect that to stop anytime now. And this thing is sort of lining up as we all thought that it would line up. Although, again, with all due respect to the Finns, they may have something to say about this. Uh, the two teams with the best 19-year-old, Sweden and United States, looks like that will most likely be your final. But strange things happen in Merrick. That's why they play the games. Uh, coming up on today's program, Elliot Friedman stops by in a couple of moments. Corey Massasak, who covers... Um, the Colorado Avalanche, uh, he'll stop by for the Denver Post. Uh, plenty to get you with the Avalanche. You know, those top three teams in the Central Division, the Jets, the Avalanche, and the Dallas Stars, all have pretty much identical records. They're either 7-1-2 and two or 7-2-1 and one in the last 10 games. This is shaping up to be a really nice race uh, here in the as we approach this, the, uh, the official second half of the season. Uh, so we'll look forward to talking to Corey coming up in a little bit. So that's the first hour of the program. Before we get to Elliot here, I wanted to park a tiny little bit of time and tell you about someone that uh, the world of hockey lost yesterday. He's someone who only played 20 games in the NHL, but he's become you know, and always was a sort of mythical feature um, and mythical figure in the world of hockey, and that is Connie Madigan. Connie Madigan passed away yesterday. Uh, condolences to his family and friends. Connie, Connie Mad Dog Madison uh, mainly played in the minors, played in the old Western Loop when it was a pro loop, played with the Portland Buckaroos, uh, played 20 games with the St. Louis Blues, both regular season and playoffs when they were short defensemen in 1973. Uh, real rough and tumble uh, tough defenseman, scrapper, no doubt. Even though he wasn't enormous, he was he was certainly tough. Uh, only had the one fight in the in the NHL with Real Lemieux of the Los Angeles Kings. But at 38 years old, when his contract was bought by the St. Louis Blues from the Portland Buckaroos, he made his rookie debut in the NHL at the bright young age of. 38, becoming the oldest rookie in the history of the NHL. And for those of you that are fans of Slapshot, uh, you'll probably know him as Mad Dog Madison with his one-finger salute from the Syracuse Bulldogs as he was introduced at the end of the movie. So here's the backstory on that, how he got the part. It's interesting. So he gets the call up to the St. Louis Blues, um, uh, Madigan does, and Ned Dowd, who was a former training camp partner, our teammate with uh, with Madigan uh, asked him for tickets to a game. Wants to take his sister, uh, Nancy Dowd. Nancy Dowd, who later went on to write the movie Slapshot. Ned Dowd, who was a training camp friend of Connie Madigan, went on to play the role of Oglethorpe. And those two never forgot how Madigan got him tickets for a playoff game for the St. Louis Blues. And they offered him the role 
of Mad Dog Madison in the movie Slapshot. That's how he got there. Anyone who knew him, you knew he was a colorful character. Uh, The game is poorer for his absence. Rest in peace, Connie Madigan. Elliot Friedman joins me now from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. Hey, how you doing, man? Good to speak to you. Yeah, good to speak to you, too. Um, lots to get to today, and just a couple of games from last night that I want to touch on and get to a couple of things today. And I, I want to get to something that you mentioned on the podcast about next year's Winter Classic, but pause on that. Um, Austin Matthews scores his 30th goal of the year. I think he took about 30 shots last night as well. Yeah. I mean, Austin Matthews has been nothing short of spectacular this season. Uh, He has a shot that is the envy of everybody in the entire hockey world. And all of a sudden now, Austin Matthews has 30 goals. And I I do wonder, like, how quickly our attention turns to, as we're seeing what's happening with Alex Ovechkin and the Wayne Gretzky chase, the Austin Matthews chase uh, for the most goals in the history of the NHL. Just your thoughts on the season that Austin Matthews is having. I guess the only question is, is it great or really great, Elliot? I would say really great. Um, you know, that was one of those games tonight. You really thought that kid, Dostal, was going to steal it. Uh, I, oh. I was just wondering if they were going to ever score on him. He, he was having a great night. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is, like, you know, the way Madison's is scoring, that goal last night, like, he gets rid of the puck so quickly. Like, he's got so many ways he can yeah. score. He can change the angle on you and deceive you, just holding it a bit. Or he can do, like, that one sweeping motion like he did last night. And you've really got no chance. Um, uh, you know, this year, the, I mean, again, Jeff, I know you like to give the trophies at the beginning of January. Every well, week. Where are, you, yes. where, are you giving, yeah. where are you giving the hard trophy right now? Uh, I'm, still, I, I'm still sticking with Artemi Panarin. I, I'm still okay. on the Panarin train. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty warm to Nathan McKinnon right now, though, too. What if Matthew scores 70 goals? It's going to be really hard not to consider him. Certainly. But there's a lot like Nikita. Like, look, it, look, look, if it, if, if, if listen, I, I know that things are coming. The wheels are sort of come off the wagon in Tampa as well. But you got to make a good case for Nikita Kucherov as well. But there's a there's a lot like there's a there's a lot of players you got to consider for the Hart Trophy again this season. Yes. Yes. Uh, so and I and I think Matt, like I'm with you. I think Aaron is a guy. I think Crosby's a guy. I think McKinnon is is absolutely uh, a guy, but yeah. you know Matthews, the way he's scoring here. Um, uh, by the way, I had someone say to me that they think Barkov should be getting more hard uh, uh, mm. trophy uh, love, but I think Matthews is absolutely going to be um, in the conversation. That was, you know, it was a fun game. The both games last night were fun games to watch. Um, you know, yeah, I didn't they, notice. They, they did, were... any, did anybody have on our show last night have an opinion on that? Uh, Jets thing. I, I didn't see anything <laughs> on social media. Nah, I think Jamal and Jennifer were pretty quiet on the the whole uh, Minnesota Winnipeg okay. thing. There was there no not 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 much there. Not much grist for the mill at all. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know you should mention the Flames just announced that um, Oliver Shillington is going to join the uh, AHL team and with the yes. Wranglers. And so you know it, yep. it's great news. Um, they're they're calling it a, a return to play protocol. So I'm not exactly sure when he's going to uh, have action. They've got some a, a big stretch of games coming up, but uh, you know it's just great to see the first step that he's going to be able to skate and, and join the organization. I, I don't know a single person who isn't rooting for him. 
everybody's cheering for Oliver Shillington through uh, through all of this. Uh, Calgary faces off against Nashville tonight, one of 13 games on the go around um, the NHL. I do want to get to you with, uh, with Calgary here in a couple of seconds and maybe focus on Jacob Markstrom a little bit, who's been outstanding um, so far this season. I know there's some, some speed wobbles early in the season, but he's turned things around. Um, back to the, the, the Maple Leafs game last night against the Anaheim Ducks. I think you're bang on about Lucas Dostal. 55 save performance, and we think of all the, the great goaltenders, and Anaheim has really had a lot of great goaltenders, and certainly we think of John Sebastian Jaguar as, as number one, and you know from there we get to the, the Jonas Hillers and the Ilya Brzgalov. Man, was he ever good with Anaheim uh, of the world, but that is an Anaheim Ducks record, 55 saves, and on that Matthews goal, I actually thought that the, the smarter play out of all of it was how Mitch Marner made that little pause to freeze those style before firing yeah. the puck over to Matthews. Like the, the goalie couldn't cheat to me. You know, what's coming. Like you see Matthews skate across and do that fade, you know, the puck's going there. So Marner pauses and freezes those style and then sends a puck over really nice play. Meanwhile, the goaltender at the other end um, mm-hmm. may or may not have been the goaltender we expected to play. And that was Martin Jones further postponing the debut of Dennis Hildeby. You know, someone uh, sent me uh uh, I know, like we worked that game on on Tuesday night against Toronto, LA, which was Toronto's best win of the year. Yeah. I really thought, and you know, they said to me, you know, take a look at this. Um, Cam Metalba, thirty six years old, making a million against thirty three year old Martin Jones, making eight seventy five, and these are two teams that yep. want to win the Stanley Cup. Like, who would have ever thought yep. this? Like, it's amazing. Like, you know, I'm watching this game last night, and, you know, Jones is it, it's 1-1 going into overtime, and, and I'm thinking, who thought that Martin Jones was going to be the guy who saved the Maple Leafs season? Well, it's really, it, it's incredible. It, it, it really is. And, like, you know, I, I, someone asked me when, I, when, when they announced that Jones was going to play, are you surprised? And I was and I wasn't. Like, like I, I really had a feeling because, Jeff, as I said, I don't think everybody was unanimous that this was the right idea with, with Hildeby coming up. I wasn't surprised that they went to Jones with two days off. I wanted to see Hildeby, so I was a little disappointed, but I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. The um, the uh, we, well, I guess I mean I I want I think we all wonder now whether we're going to see Hildeby against the uh, the San Jose Sharks on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday. That would be a an interesting debut for him. One other note from that game: How did you feel about the Bobby McMahon call on Pavel Minchikov? I like getting it. the gate for the boarding pen. You didn't let now. Do you, hang on a second. Do you think that that call because we've been waiting for this? Do you think that that call, which was just far enough from the boards to be dangerous, albeit it is a shoulder-to-shoulder check, Mm-mm. is a reflection of either Zucker, and he got three games for this one, the Zucker hit on Cousins or the Goodbranson-Cousins incident from a couple of weeks ago? Because we thought we'd see well, a no, slew of these calls no, that were borderline like, uh, me, close to the boards. To me, that was not even comparable to any of those other things. Like, I was shocked. Like, when I saw the replay... I said, yeah. This guy, they're gonna, this guy's not going to get anything. Like I, uh, yeah. I didn't think he was going to get a penalty at all, and I yeah. was shocked that that they gave him what they gave him. I I couldn't believe it actually. Um, 
I need to go in the locker room. But I, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was really surprised. Um, you know, yeah. like because the thing is, like, you know, when they suspended Zucker the other day, they didn't give. You know, there was no review for Cousins, and, and you know what? I, I will I'm say this. Yeah, Cousins has got like a target on him right now, and I don't think anybody's surprised yeah. about what happened that that Zucker that someone like Zucker would go after him. <laughs> but I, I actually that the play with Cousins and Valimaki, that's not the kind of play that they usually suspend because Valimaki went down right. Like one of the big things that they consider, as much as I didn't like the whole thing, and I understood why Zucker did it. Um, if you take a look at their history, they don't suspend plays like that, where the guy who gets hit materially yeah. moves right before it. So I wasn't surprised. I know why everybody uh, hates it, and I don't like it either. But that was a consistent decision for them. So we can't use this whole argument that. McMahon got penalized because they're trying to cut down on this stuff because it didn't happen the other day on a play that they didn't think was suspendable. And also, I just don't think that hit is comparable to those awful ones we've been seeing. Like, to me, that was a, a clean hit, and Minchukov is just guilty of not being prepared to be hit. Yeah, not being close just, enough to the boards you, when he dumped it in. You, do you like you disagree with me on this one? Did you think that was the right call? I I wasn't surprised they gave him the nickel initially, so they had a chance to review it, and right. I thought that that McMahon was going to come out of the box. But then when he didn't, and here, okay, this just might be like the old hockey guy in me coming out. You know, what my first thought was when he got the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 five in the game, like when he was doing the skate of shame off to the dressing room. I'll be honest with you, Fred. You know what my first thought was. He's a rookie. He's an easy one to do this to. He's not a guy that's played in the NHL for 10 years. It's an easy... Who's Bobby McMahon? Yeah, throw him out of the game. It's a borderline hit on a guy who may or may not be injured. We can Let's throw him out of the game. That was my initial you know, thought. I, I hope you're wrong. Uh, I, I hope, hope I'm wrong too, but that was my first thought. Yeah, oh, I mean, I didn't think about that. Um, I hope you're wrong. I hope that's not the reason, but I didn't like, I, like I generally have no problem, Jeff, with them saying five minute major. I want to see this. I think the league doesn't yep. like that very much. They don't like slowing down the games for no reason. Um, but I generally don't have a problem with it. I, I couldn't believe it when they threw them out of the game. I, 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 I completely disagree with that. That one was a uh, was a little bit shocking. Okay, off of that page, uh, you mentioned the Devils and the Caps as well. Heischer with a pair, Mercer with a pair, uh, McLeod with a pair, Jack Hughes with his 30th assist, and on the other side of the rink, uh, the return of Max Pacioretty. And I want to pause on that for one second because here's what I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Max Pacioretty came back from Achilles surgery, played, what was it, four games, maybe five, Elliot, and then mm-hmm. injured himself again. Same mm-hmm. injury, another surgery. How much mm-hmm. of a chill did that send around the league for other players who suffered that same injury? And I wonder about Anthony Duclair. I think it absolutely did, Jeff. I think the other thing, too, is is that um, if you'll remember, he did some surgery, I think, overseas. I have to remember the whole story. 
but um, he mm. went overseas to do some surgery for it. And, um, you know, also there was a question about basically what people who had Achilles injuries were doing were, was saying, okay, what is everything that Pouch already did so that I know what worked for him and what didn't? So I know there was some ask for, like, documentation or some guys were like, tell me exactly what he did so I know what was good about that or what was bad about that in case we go through the same thing. So, I like, Pacioretty, I don't know if, you'll, if you remember, after um, the Char thing all those years ago, Montreal was, yeah. uh, the, the next year in Hockey Night, Montreal was on opening night. And we did a piece on his recovery, and we went down to where he was training mm-hmm. in Connecticut. And he's a freak of an athlete; like he is a an incredibly oh, yeah. gifted athlete. And I always thought, like, I'm amazed that now he's come back from a couple of these and he's playing again. And I think there, it's one thing, gifted athlete, but two, work hard and be willing to push yourself. So I'm happy he's back. But I know that was one of the questions. Like he had a bit of a unique. I think he went overseas for surgery. So I think a lot of people are asking mm-hmm. what worked and what didn't. But as, as far as recovery goes, like we've seen athletes, like, look, I think we're all fully convinced that Connor McDavid wasn't completely or anywhere close to completely healed when he came back for the Heritage Classic. And yeah. we saw that for a couple of weeks as well, but he knew how much he meant to the team and where the team was at. And he had to come back until whatever injury that it was that he had I don't know, oblique something, who knows. Um, you know, he came back early. When Pacioretty went down the second time last year, was there a mood around the NHL amongst players? Because I believe that there was, where mm-hmm. some guys will come back early from certain injuries, but Achilles specifically after the second Pacioretty situation, they all kind of said, not a chance, I'm taking my time with this one. Well, yeah, I think that's true, but I think it was also like you asked about the path, right? Like you, you asked, do you feel the team treats you well? Pacioretty, uh, there was a few stories about it. He went overseas, and he has surgery uh, somewhere yeah. overseas. So I think that was another thing um, that, you know, people talked about, hey, did, like, did that work for you or not? Like, I think people were trying to figure out, what exactly was the problem? Was it simply that he came back too quickly or was there something he mm-hmm. felt in his treatment where he, th- he thought it worked and it didn't, or he was misdiagnosed or something. So I think all of those things were part of the process. Okay. Uh, a couple of things here. One thing you mentioned on the podcast, I don't know if there's been more discussion about it or you have further thoughts on it. Um, coming off the winter classic, uh, and there was the Joey Decord show um, yeah. in Seattle against Vegas. You talked about on the podcast about, you know, Connor Bedard being involved in the next one, which, of course, means that the Chicago Blackhawks will be involved in the next one. Do you have anything more on that or another thought on it, at least? Well, you know, I think the, like the Winter Classic, like, I loved it. I had a great time. I'm always reminded that... Um, I'm always reminded that, um, you know, sometimes TV doesn't do them justice. And mm-hmm. you always get caught up in the enthusiasm of the crowd. And this was no different. It was the one thing I will say was it was the most one jersey dominated winter classic I've ever been oh, to. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, like usually it's like both yeah. teams are there. I thought there was a lot more. I mean, you expect more Seattle because it's their team, but I, there was a lot more Seattle than there was Vegas. Um, the, so that was one thing that I, I really noticed. It was a really good event, like the the Sir Mix-a-Lot, mm-hmm. you know, Bissonette putting the mask on at the hospital, the fish being tossed awesome. over the players. Um, you know, Vegas didn't play well. That was one thing that really stood out for me, too. But the one thing that came out of it is I saw the ratings yesterday, and it didn't do as well as the Winter Classic normally does. And do you know what's the one mm-hmm. game this year that's outdrawn it? Uh, that's outdrawn it in uh, in the NHL in the States this season? What's that? It's opening night, Connor Bedard, Sidney Crosby. So guess who's right. going to be in the Winter Classic next year, Jeff? Uh, Hawks and Penguins. Well, I don't know that it's going to be Penguins, but I think it is going to be Hawks. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I have to say, like it makes sense. Um, but I, it is going to be Hawks. And initially, that I didn't know if it was going to be Hawks at home or Hawks on the road. And now, I'm, uh, after we mentioned mm-hmm. that on the pod, I had some people who were kind of hinting, "Don't be surprised if it's Hawks at home." So, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I think. If you got sick of the Blackhawks and the Winter Classics under the King Taves era, yeah. get ready to get sick of them again. Yes, again, yeah. Buy, your, buy yourself yeah, some gravel. Uh... <laughs> okay, so 13 games on the board around the NHL this evening, and uh, a, a couple of them that I want, I want to key on and get your thoughts on. Um, Tampa and Minnesota. Now, Tampa's hit a wobble here. I know that Andre Vasilevsky has come under some fire, but this is a team that is... You know, that is leaking goals. Mikhail Sergachev on, on LTIR. Um, this is a team that's having a hard time in its own zone. And it's not just yeah. the goaltending. And they're facing off against they're facing off against a Minnesota Wild team. You know, I was just noodling this around this morning with no Spurgeon, Kaprizov, Brodeen, Gustafson, or Zuccarello. So they're marching in tonight with forty million dollars worth of hockey players. That's it. Yeah. They've got the fourteen million. Uh, they got hammered on the cap because of the buyouts for Parisi and Suter, and then Spurgeon, Kaprizov, Rodin, Gustafsson, and Zuccarello. I know injuries are a factor for every team, and it's you know teams don't like making excuses because of it. But man, is this Minnesota Wild team ever hobbling a forty million dollar lineup tonight? Well, the other thing too is we should ask the people at Sportsnet stop this. What's the most any teams had on LT uh, out of a lineup at one time? Like, like, I wonder, wow. have you well, ever, had, when, have when, you ever when, had, a, had a team where there's more money out of the lineup than there is in the lineup? I don't think it's happened before. I can't before. think of what. I, I, would, I would think that it has. I'm trying to remember. I mean, Montreal got hammered not too many years ago. Columbus has been hammered with, uh, with, with injuries. That one wouldn't surprise me. But when you, when you factor in how much money is not in the lineup tonight, Again, this is just like a quick glance at, at Cap Friendly and, and my math. So take this with a grain of salt. It's $27 million worth of salaries not playing and $14 million on the buyouts of Parisi and Suter. So $41 million of their cap space is not being used in the game tonight. That's kind of amazing. I, I, I mean, I wonder if that's and, ever... <laughs> I, wonder, like, I, like, I wonder 41, how... Like, 
like I'm sure yeah. there's been times at the end of the year if you've made a playoffs, but even that's hard to do because you have a cap. It's not like you can just call up 12 guys and, and put them in the lineup. This one's tough. Uh, this one's real tough. Um, elsewhere around the NHL, we got some good games. Uh, we got some really good ones tonight. Uh, Calgary and Nashville. Uh, which we can watch on Sportsnet tonight. Nashville's kind of been a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people that thought they were going to take a step back. Um, yeah. And the Calgary Flames continue continue to be that team where we're not really quite sure whether they're just going to trade as many pieces as they can or maybe take a run at this thing. And now all of a sudden, I mean, I know it's only two games, but all of a sudden Jonathan Huberto is starting to become productive. Uh, Mark Savard is now taping his sticks. He's switched from white to black tape, and you know what players are like. Uh, and Jacob Markstrom is playing real well. Where are you at on the Calgary Flames, Elliot? Well, you know, I think this. I think that... I think there's where you are and where you're going, Right. Um, you know, first of all, I think the Flames, um, I think they have a really good idea of kind of where they're going. They're in kind of like a bit of a soft retool here, I think is the best way to put it. But you want your mm-hmm. team to be as competitive as you, as you can make it. And, you know, I, I think considering a lot of the, the distractions the Flames could have this year, I think they've done reasonably well. I think they're are things that you can look at this year and say, these, these are positive omens for us. The young kids look really good. Um, the, you know, uh, Markstrom seems to have really landed well. Like, there are things here you look at and say, okay, like, they're, they're good omens. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think you have to be honest about, you know, where you're going. You, you know, sometimes I think it's, it, you're okay letting people walk and just using the cap space. Um, I know you're a big proponent of this argument, but I really do think cap space is one of the most valuable commodities you can have. And it's not the totally. worst thing in the world to let people walk away for nothing, even though we're all conditioned uh, to say you're that's not. terrible, that's terrible. However, you're not. I think you no, ge- it's not. Generally, it's not. It's not. It's, uh, it's not. But generally, I think you have to be in a position where you can win the Stanley Cup to do that. Um, you know, Calgary, <clears throat> Calgary, I don't think is in that position. So I don't think Calgary's outlook has changed. You know, I, I think it's much more likely than not Lindholm gets traded. You know, Hannafin had a weird thing where he basically had a contract extension done earlier this year and then, and then backed away from it. So I still think it's more likely than not he gets traded. I think they, you know, I, I think they want to try to keep Tanner. We'll see what their chances are there. But, you know, the, number, the thing I still look at there is I still think they see the big picture. And the big picture is they probably don't want to keep all these guys. Not everybody really wants to stay. So, you know, you've got to be looking to see what your options are out there before the deadline. Yeah. Um, also tonight, the Buffalo Sabres face off against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the news coming out yeah. of Montreal today, not good. Christian Dvorak, um, with a, uh, with a torn pack. He is done for the season. Yeah, he will have surgery bad. tomorrow. Listen, maybe that's just me placing too much on what I thought was one of the best lines I'd ever seen in the, in the, uh, in junior hockey, which was the London Knights with Dvorak and Marner and Matthew Kachuk. I really thought that provided he stayed healthy, Christian Dvorak was going to be an 
outstanding NHL player for a number of years. I know situations and injuries have been an issue there. I don't know if there's any question attached to this one other than, man, I really feel bad for Christian Dvorak. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, you know, when, when, when I saw that line win the Memorial Cup together, I, I thought all oh. three of those guys were going to be NHL studs. And, yep. uh, you know, Marner clearly is and Kachuk clearly is. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, he was going, Dvorak was going in the right way in Arizona. And when they traded for him, uh, it was in Montreal. Everybody thought what a great move it was. And uh, you're right. He just mm. hasn't been able to stay healthy. It's just, it's gone, unfortunately, off the rails. And it's, you know, it's really too bad. You know, he's probably looking and saying, can you put some of that in my water that you've given to Sean Monaghan that he's kind of resuscitated his <laughs> career there? Like, is there a reason you yeah. only give it to him and don't give it to me? Um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, I spoke to, uh, I just put, I did a quick blog today because I was a little, uh, uh, tied up. I couldn't do a big one, but I spoke to Tom McVie yesterday about Connie Madigan. They were really close friends. And oh, so I, 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 first of all, it was a real pleasure to speak to Tom McVie. He's got one of the best voices like anywhere in the world. Like oh, that. yes. Oh, yes, yeah. he does. Tom McVie's got the best voice in town, Elliot. Well, I got to say, Jeff is not really, not exactly Jim Carrey with his impressions, but that one's actually not bad. <laughs> uh, it's pretty close, but uh, yeah, so we had, uh, you know, we had a... What did uh, he say about Connie? Yeah, we had, well, he was good. He said, he, he like, so basically what happened was uh, McVie was playing for the Portland Buckaroos in like 1964, and Connie Madigan ended yeah. up there, and it started a a 60 year friendship. And, you know, one of the, one, mm. he told a couple of really great stories, but one of the ones he told was, as you know, Madigan was the oldest rookie ever to make, um, yeah. you know, the, the NHL at age 38 in 1973. And he said that they were playing together and there were some rumors going on that Madigan was going to be sent to a different minor league city and he didn't want to go. And he said, you know, you could do this back then, but I picked up the phone and I called the St. Louis blues and I asked to speak to Lynn Patrick, who at that time was the senior vice president. Yeah. And I said, you know, uh, I, I've got a guy here. And I heard you talking at the beginning about how they had all the injuries. Um, you know, he, he yeah. says, we have a guy here who can really help you. And he goes, he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to help the Blues. And, and uh, so Lynn Patrick said, let, let, me help, let me speak to him. And he goes, you want to help the Blues? And I said, yes, I think I can help you. And he goes, well, you better get your ass to St. Louis. And Tom McVie said he mm. gave him a suitcase, and he never got that suitcase back. And, you know, the one thing he said was, um, you know, I heard you talk about the slap shot tie-in, and Connie Madigan, just for the yes, amount of Ned time Nancy. he played it, I think he played when he was 41 years old till he was 41. He had a lot of penalty minutes, but McVie made a point to oh, say, yeah. you know, he, went, he got named to all-star teams like eight times. Like, he was tough. Yep. But he was a really, really good player. Really, really good. He player. was a real good. 
he was good. He wasn't the biggest guy, like he was, but he was scrappy. Like he defended all the ice, um, both with his skills and with his fists as well. And when he retired, I think he was number two all time uh, in penalty minutes in the in the minor leagues as well. And it wasn't because he was, you know, six foot three and destroying. He was a really scrappy, like five foot eleven defenseman. Um, and the Ned and, and Nancy Dowd tie, and I just think is great because Ned, who went on to be a Hollywood producer um, after playing the role of Oglethorpe and Slapshot, he produced Last of the Mohicans. That would have been his biggest one. And Nancy Dowd, of course, a uh, Hollywood scriptwriter who wrote uh, the movie Slapshot, never forgot that he got them tickets for the St. Louis Blues playoffs and offered him a role uh, in that great scene where he comes out and gives the finger wearing the Syracuse Bulldogs uh, uniform. But Madigan didn't think that it was real when he got the call, asking him to be in Slapshot. So he hung up on Nancy when she called him, offering him the role in Slapshot. So J- Jonathan Jackson's book uh, about Slapshot is like the must-read for all Slapshot fans. And there's great stories like, uh, like that one in there. But uh, great memories of Connie Mad Dog Madigan, the uh, the game losing one of its great colorful characters. Uh, Fridge, as always, great stuff. Uh, rest up. Take care of yourself. We will talk to you again tomorrow. And just should say, Jeff, you know, two days now between games, I, I think um, Willie DeLander's got some thinking to do. I think, like I wrote today, I think there's four yeses that uh, have to be part of this. The teams, the agents, the players, of course. And the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, that's exactly where we are right now. There's a deal to be made here, but it takes mm-hmm. four yeses. Does his contract match his number? Like he's, they're going to pay him $89 million? 88. $88 million, sorry. Yeah, I didn't, didn't want to give him was an extra million. Uh, that's right. It's very good. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's probably like that would be uh, 11 million. I don't know. I've been very careful about this. I've been very careful about this because I just mm. am not confident in exactly what the numbers are. Let's just say, I think it's going to be a big number. I, I, I want to wait till I have, because I know any, if I say yes, it's going to be eight times eleven, or it's going to be eight times eleven two five. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, oh, don't, I don't worry. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I know, I know, I know what I'm doing. Know what you're don't doing. Worry. <laughs> I don't have it yet. <laughs> okay, you get you uh, get you out of here before you get yourself in trouble. Uh, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Thanks, Reach.